Thank you for coming back. And for those of you who are here tonight but weren't here in the morning, thank you for being out. We appreciate your being a part of our, our church service this evening. We've been uh, talking about the philosophy of our church, and uh, we've been talking about uh, discipleship and uh, what that looks like and why uh, in our discipleship and in uh, our mission's uh, emphasis uh, that our emphasis is on the church and church planting. We have looked at the scriptures about individual discipleship. Then we went and talked about corporate discipleship and that corporate discipleship being done primarily through the pulpit, through the, the preaching of the Word of God. As we saw in Second Timothy tonight, we're going to be talking about uh, the role of preaching in discipleship and particularly what role expository preaching plays in the role of discipleship. In order to do that, we're looking at the book of Nehemiah, starting with Nehemiah chapter 8. And the introduction is tonight we consider how expository preaching is effective in discipling people. So the theme is a consideration of some of the benefits of expository preaching. We have in Nehemiah chapter 8 a demonstration of expository preaching that we want to uh, look at in uh, some detail this evening. The goal of expository preaching is to explain the Word of God so that the people thoroughly understand it. The focus of expository preaching is the Scriptures. And uh, one might say, well, isn't that the focus of all preaching? And the answer is no, it, it isn't necessarily. There can be other goals that uh, are to be had in preaching, uh, such as to help people understand how to live the Christian life and or uh, how to get them over a particular crisis in their life. It's to impart knowledge, but not necessarily derived specifically from the Scriptures, and uh, I'll explain that uh, as we go on. The key verse is Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8, where it reads, They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and gave the sense, so that the people understood the reading. That was the purpose so that people understood the reading. The example of expository preaching in our text. First, the scripture was read. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. They read from the book, from the law of God. Secondly, the text was explained. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly. NAS translates that as they read from the book of God, translating. In uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8, it says they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear. Uh, that's probably the, the best translation. Uh, that's the idea of what we talk about expositing. Expositing simply means to lead out of the text its meaning. To draw out from the word of God exactly what the word of God is saying. It's explaining the text so that everybody understands what the Bible is saying. And then thirdly, the text was applied. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8, they read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and then the third element is, and they gave the sense. They gave the sense. Uh, Nehemiah 8, verse 8, giving the meaning. 
Uh, this is what we would refer to as the application. So these three elements, reading, explaining, and applying the text, are the main elements of expository preaching. So expository preaching has three elements. You read the text, you explain the text, you apply the text. Now, in modern contemporary preaching, it's not all about the text, it's all about the application. So in good modern contemporary preaching, what is said oftentimes is biblical, all right? What is declared in good evangelical modern-day contemporary preaching is biblical. It's consistent with what the Scripture says. But it isn't necessarily drawn out of the Scriptures. It isn't necessarily demonstrated how what you are hearing comes from the Word of God, but rather simply that this is consistent with the Word of God. For the great, for the great emphasis today is on application. So you can skip the first two and run directly to application. That is the main thrust, that is the main element. That is understood to be relevant, practical, most beneficial. And so you often will hear examples of preaching that will talk about principles. These are five principles that we get from the Word of God. So how are you going to uh, get your financial house in order? Well, there are five principles. Number one, we can learn from the Word of God that we need to be responsible. And uh, so we need to learn how to handle our money responsibly. And there may be a proof text or may not be a proof text. Simply asserted, we need to be responsible. Certainly that's biblical. That's consistent with what the Bible teaches. All right? We need to be people of integrity. We need to handle our money in a Christ-honoring and uh, honest way. That's biblical, all right? But I didn't cite any scripture. I, I didn't uh, uh, demonstrate how that comes out of the word of God. So that is what much of modern-day preaching is, preaching that is consistent with the scriptures but doesn't necessarily demonstrate how that comes out of the scriptures. D, the text was understood. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear, giving the meaning, so that, that was the purpose, so that the people understood what was being read. Then in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 12, it says, and all the people went their way to eat and drink and to, be, to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. So the goal was cause people to understand the word. Now they're going to go away rejoicing because they understood the word that was declared to them. So that was good preaching. Explain the word. They got it. They understood it. They rejoiced. So, number one, expository preachings helps people understand a specific text. Number two, expository messages over a long period of time help people understand the entirety of the scriptures. 
Uh, the, more, the longer you sit under expository preaching, the more texts you will hear, the, the more uh, scripture you will be, uh, have explained, so the greater your understanding of the entirety of the Bible will come. Number three, expository messages over a long period of time help people in knowing how to unpack the Bible for themselves. Here is important aspect number one of discipling through preaching, all right? It's very possible to preach in such a way that it's not particularly helpful in building disciples in the sense that it doesn't help people learn how to study the Bible for themselves. Where expository preaching over a long period of time demonstrates how you approach a text. Uh, That's one reason why I do these handouts And if you notice, I read the verse, I underline where it's coming from, so you can see how just going through a verse, line by line, word by word, and understanding that is the way to which we understand the scriptures. Um, Learning to read the Bible, keeping the thoughts of the Bible in proper context. Working through a passage verse by verse, as opposed to picking out a verse here and picking out a verse here and picking out a verse here, that doesn't really help people to understand for themselves how to read the Bible. Teaching you that there are five principles about about, uh, handling your finances. Number one, being responsible. Number two, being people of integrity, etc. Go away and, yes, maybe you will change some ways in which you handle your money, which can be helpful and beneficial, but bottom line, you don't know your Bible any better. Nor is it gonna be particularly helpful when you're trying to have devotions, because you haven't seen how to take the Bible and derive the principles from the scriptures. So, number four. Expository preaching is subservient to the text, meaning that you preach what is in the text, you don't preach what isn't in the text. That's pretty straightforward. But it allows the text to reign supreme, as opposed to topical preaching, which the preacher comes up with an idea, these are the things I want to communicate. Now, where in the Bible does it say that? and we look for verses to communicate what we want to say. We decide ahead of time what it is that we want to communicate, then you look for verses to support what we want to communicate. That is eisegesis, that's reading into the scriptures, as opposed to exegesis, which is leading out of the scriptures. It is different to go to the scriptures and say, what does this passage teach? What is this passage about? I'm going to explain that, all right? So one of the frustrating things uh, for people that are putting together a worship service, you know, you might uh, hear there are a lot of churches that plan out their worship service six months in advance. They, they know what they're going to do. They, they know what issues they're going to handle. They get the songs lined up and, and everything. Well, I don't know what I'm going to say six, from, six months from now. I don't even know what I'm going to say two weeks from now because I haven't studied the text yet. And what I think this text says might actually be somewhat different than what I thought it said. And so it's not about trying to 
come up with what it is that we're going to say. We're letting the scripture speak for itself. Two, benefits consisting with expository preaching. First, expository preaching promotes the desire to hear the word of God. Nehemiah 8 verse 1, And all the people gathered as one man into the square of the water gate, and they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses. That to me is fascinating. I don't think anybody would have had to tell uh, Ezra that uh, when you speak, bring the law of God. But that's what they wanted to hear. They wanted to hear the word of God. They didn't want just Ezra to stand up and tell them what they do. They wanted him to explain to them the word of God. And that's one of the benefits of expository preaching. People want to hear the word of God. They want to be involved in the word of God. Expository preaching uh, encourages people to read the Bible for themselves, to study the scriptures, for the scriptures are the authority, not the preacher. I'll say more about that in just a moment. So um, it promotes uh, this desire to hear the word of God. Number one, when people of God want to hear the word of God, the preacher is given time to preach the word of God. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on that first day of the seventh month, and he read from it, facing the square before the water gate, from early morning till midday. How, how early is early morning? Don't know. But early morning to midday, uh, that's more than 20 minutes. Uh, that is a good amount of time in which the people were standing there listening. Why? Because they wanted to hear it. They wanted to hear the word of God. They were anxious to hear the word of God. Um, They wanted to be fed, all right? And uh, they didn't want a snack. <laughs> they wanted a solid meal. Uh, and so this aspect of expository preaching causes people to want to hear the word of God as opposed to giving me a, a, you know, a 10-minute homily of uh, your own ideas. Number two, what the people of God want to hear uh, when the people want to hear the word of God, they listen carefully. Notice the end of verse 3. And all the ears of the people were attentive to the book of the law. Uh, they listened. But they wanted to understand. Uh, there was a motivation here. Uh, there was an intentionality. They came to hear the word. They came to understand the word. So they listened to the word. Now notice how different that is from 2 Timothy chapter 4. that talks about in the last days when people will not endure sound doctrine. Verse, chapter 4, verse 3. For the time has come when people will not endure sound te teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Uh, they don't really want to hear the word of God. They want to hear what they want to hear. And uh, so they are deaf to the word of God. Uh, they don't want to be spending a lot of time. Don't tell me what the Bible says, just tell me what to do, is the modern churchgoer's view of, of preaching, all right? Don't tell me about the Bible, just tell me what to do. Tell me how to live. Tell me how to have a happier life. Tell me how to have a more effective 
uh, marriage. Tell me about how to raise my kids. All right? Tell me that. That's what I want to hear. And don't take too long to do it. All right? Uh, B, expository preaching promotes confidence in the authority of the Word of God. <clears throat> and all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. That the Lord had commanded Israel. In expository preaching, the authority is found in the scriptures. The authority is found in the scriptures, as opposed to the authority is found in the preacher. So in expository preaching, you are not going to hear a lot of Dr. So-and-so has said, or Dr. So-and-so has written. It's not going to speak to human authorities, but rather in expository preaching, the scriptures are the authority, so you appeal to the scriptures. This is what the Bible says. We do this because of what the Bible says, not because of the latest survey, not because of the latest best-selling book, not because of the latest declaration by some authority, but because of what God has commanded us to do. C, expository preaching promotes the centrality of the scriptures. Jumping over to the top of page four. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of the people, for he was above all the people. <clears throat> the scriptures were opened. The scriptures were not abandoned. Um, some of you have heard this illustration. I've given it before. But uh, for some of you, it is new, and for those of you who have heard it, bear with me, but it's a good application of this particular point. Uh, quite a number of years ago, I was uh, asked to participate in a funeral. Uh, I was uh, helping in this funeral along with another <clears throat> pastor from the area. It just so happened that it was a, a woman pastor, uh, and uh, this lady had just come from California. Uh, so, uh, new to our area, from a very liberal setting, uh, really wasn't uh, even exposed much to conservative uh, Christianity. Uh, in this area, most of the liberal churches are still pretty conservative. They, if not preaching the gospel, at least understand the gospel, at least are familiar with the gospel, Know where we're coming from, if, you, if it were. So I had an interesting time with this lady. And um, we were uh, talking before the service started. And uh, she asked, first of all, she said, I printed off a, 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 a prayer for you. Uh, would you like to read this? And I said, uh, no, thank you. I'll just pray extemporaneously. And she said, okay, that's fine. And, and we were talking. And uh, she said, I noticed you carry a Bible. And I said, yes, I do. She said, let me ask you a question. And I said, okay, what's that? And she said, when you are in the pulpit, when uh, you open your Bible and you have read the Bible, she said, do you leave it open or do you close it? And I said, I leave it open. And she said, that's very good. She said, I just went to a preaching seminar. 
And uh, my church, they were upset when I would close the Bible after I read it. And uh, she said, but I went to this preaching seminar, and she said, now I finally understand why. And uh, I said, oh, why is that? And she said, well, there's a, a light on the lectern, which there is right here. And uh, she said that when you open the Bible and the light shines off the, uh, the pages of the Bible, it gives your face a nice glow. And said, uh, you, you appear more warm and friendly. And so I keep the Bible open so that I appear warm and friendly. And she said to me, uh, is that what you do? And I said, no. And, and she said, well, why do you keep the Bible open? And I said, well, because I refer to it. <laughs> I use it all through the, through the message. Uh, but but the, that's an outlier, okay? But what I'm saying to you is it is important that the scriptures are the centrality of the word of God. <clears throat> Not abandoned. D, expository preaching promotes reverence for the word of God. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And the scriptures standing represents respect. And the scriptures standing also represents a readiness to obey what is being said. E, expository preaching promotes the worship of God. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their heads, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. I think that is significant. For in the modern context of Christendom today, if you ask most people what is worship, they're going to tell you that it's music. Let us worship the Lord, and that means we're going to sing. That is almost a universal today, that worshiping is singing. Now, singing is important. Singing is worshipful, but it isn't the end all of what worship is. And here we see that they worshiped by bowing their heads and listening to the word of God. So we worship God as we hear and want to obey the word that is being presented. That is worshipful. That is giving God his due. That's giving his word his due. That's being respectful. For this book is God's word. It is him speaking to us. And that's why we need to pay attention to his word. Three, the results of expository preaching. As a result of the expository preaching, people understood the scripture. That understanding had some dramatic effects. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 12, And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing. Now notice this word, because. Because. They had understood the words that were declared to them. That's why great care is taking to explain the text so that people will understand the text because the result will be that when people understand what is declared to them, then they are going to live it out. Then they are going to do it. So this is what happens 
because they understood the scriptures. Here are the effects. Number one, the people were convicted by the scripture. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. So when they were hearing and it was being applied, they were crying because they had been disobedient. Because they had not done what God's word had to say. They were brought under conviction. They were moved, moved to tears, that they had not served God the way in which the word of God had uh, required. Number one, once again, the focus is on the effects that the word of God produced. For it says in the end of verse 9, as they heard the words of the law. It was the law, it was the word of God that moved the people. Notice they were moved by the words of Scripture, not the flamboyance of the presentation. They were not moved because of all of the effects that were taking place, not because of the smoke that was rising, not because of all the uh, drama that was being presented. It wasn't a connived way of trying to produce a contrition in the hearts of people by telling them sad stories or flashing pictures upon the screen, but simply they're hearing the word of God produced an emotional effect within them. It was the word that had done this. It was the word that had brought conviction. B, the people were transformed by the scriptures. For they went from weeping to rejoicing. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine. Send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people saying, be quiet. For this day is holy. Do not be grieved. Verse 12, and all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. The people were moved with tears when they realized that they had not obeyed the word of God, but the people rejoiced when they understood that they were forgiven and delivered. They were saddened and they moved from weeping to rejoicing. Because they understood that their sins are forgiven. There is no greater joy than to know that our sins are forgiven and we are right with God through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a cause of rejoicing. That is a cause of thanksgiving. When we realize what the word of God teaches us about our acceptance before God. See, the leaders and teachers were desirous of a deeper understanding of the scriptures. On the second day, the heads of the fathers, houses of all the people, with the priests and the Levites, came together to Ezra the scribe in order to study the words of the law. The word study means to ponder, to reflect upon deeply. The leaders wanted to go deeper into the word. On the second day, the heads of the fathers, houses of all the people, Uh, 
so that, on top of page six, expository preaching is a great benefit to the spiritual growth and development of leaders. Three, expository preaching encourages others to go deeper into God's word and be preachers and teachers themselves. Nehemiah chapter eight, verse 13. On the second day, the heads of the fathers, houses of all the people, with the priests and the Levites, came together to Ezra the scribe. Now, what is noteworthy is that priests and Levites, who themselves were teachers of the word, also benefited from the exposition of scripture that they had heard. They came to study. But notice that the study was hearing Ezra preach. They came to go deeper in the word. And notice that it's the priests and the Levites came together to Ezra. This is not a situation in which the heads of the fathers of the houses and the people are shuttled off into smaller groups and now the priests and the Levites are discipling them as they are taking the teaching of Ezra and applying it. What this verse says is that they all come together to Ezra. So Ezra is now preaching to all the heads of the households and to the priests and to the Levites. They are growing in their understanding of the scriptures through the preaching of the word. B, we have, I don't know if you even are aware of this, we have over 40 people in our congregation with Bible college or seminary training. That's a pretty significant portion of our congregation when you think of the size of our congregation. Over 40 people that have Bible college or seminary training. In addition, we have many that have Christian college backgrounds. In addition, we have many people who have read through the Bible in its entirety many times. I've encouraged from the first day I was here <laughs> to read your Bible through in a year. And I know many of you have taken up that mantle and have done that. And uh, if you had just started that first day, and if you followed through on that, that means you will have read your Bible through 36 times. For I've been here now, I'm in the middle of my 37th year. All right? There are people that have done that. There are people here that have read their Bible more than 36 times. How are those people going to continue to grow? How are those people going to continue to develop? You see, if all we're hearing is the milk of the word, is all we are hearing are just the gospel every single Sunday. And believe me, <laughs> I'm for the gospel. But if that's the steady diet, if it's always the gospel and never going deeper into the word of God, if it's only the milk and never the meat, you're going to stunt your growth. You are not going to develop in the way that you need to develop. And the leadership of the church is going to mature in the way that it needs to mature. And the teachers in the church aren't going to grow in the way in which they, they need to grow. So expository preaching is about feeding people so that they can feed themselves. And in addition to feeding themselves, continue to come and to hear and to develop and to grow. <clears throat> One of the reasons that uh, 
pastors have a tendency not to stay in the same place too long is that many times they run out of stuff to say. Uh, if you're going to preach topically, uh, there's only so many topics, uh, and it's, uh, it's hard to uh, come up with what's the new thing I'm going to say this week uh, after uh, 36, 37 years. But if you're using the Bible as your text, you can't, you can't exhaust the Scriptures. Uh, you, you can't fully declare all that the Word of God has to say. So there is always something more. There is always a deeper level. There is always more to be learned as we study the Word of God together. D, the people were obedient to the Scriptures. And they found it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns and in Jerusalem. Go to the hills and bring branches of wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths, as it is written, as the word of God says. Verse 16, so, so because this is what the word of God says, because they understood what the word of God said, because they hadn't done what the word of God said, they wept. Moses says, don't weep. You're for, uh, excuse me, Ezra says, uh, don't weep, you are forgiven, but now do what the word of God says. So the people went out, brought them, and made booths for themselves, each on his roof, and in their courts, and the courts of the house of God, and the square at the water gate, and the, the square at the city of Ephraim. Ezra and Nehemiah did not simply tell people what to do. Ezra had laid the foundation in the scriptures, so that ultimately, the scriptures would be obeyed, not Ezra. They did what they did because of what the word of God says. So, as it is written, not because of what Ezra said. Not because of his authority, but because of the word of God's authority. E, expository preaching has benefits for... Uh, <clears throat> Well, let me go back to number four. A key element, I've already said this, but a little different way. A key element of expository preaching is that application is not made until it is shown to come directly out of the text. Uh, e, expository preaching has benefits for the entire congregation. And all the assembly of those that returned from the captivity made booze and lived in the booze. Number one, the people of God serve God collectively. Number two, it affected the individual, but had benefits for the whole group. You see, the, the, the benefit of coming together and hearing this together was that the whole assembly that had returned from the captivity made booze. Together, they had made this commitment to repent and to worship God the way that he had declared. It wasn't an individual decision alone. It was an individual decision but it had a corporate benefit. For they all heard the same word. They were all moved by the same spirit. And they all came to the same conclusion. Let us obey the word of God. F, expository preaching brought spiritual renewal. And all the assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booze and lived in the booze. For from the days of Joshua the son of Nun, <clears throat> 
so that the de that day the people of Israel had not done so, and they were very great rejoicing. Joshua the son of Nun, we know him as Joshua, Moses' servant. Israel had not served God in this manner since the days of Joshua. That's before all the kings. That's before the exile. This was an incredible work of God that from the hundreds of years, from the time of Joshua to the day that Ezra is preaching, that they hadn't observed the Feast of Booths in this way. But because they heard and understood the word of God, they repented, they wept, they rejoiced, they obeyed. Expository preaching can reverse the tides of culture and indifference and apathy. Second Timothy talks about how in the last days that perilous times will come for men will be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. And goes on to describe all these things, having lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. What is the solution? Second Timothy chapter 4 says, I charge you therefore by the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the living and the dead, preach the word. Be diligent in season, out of season. What is going to bring repentance? What is going to bring transformation of life? What is going to cause this world to be different? It's the word of God. It's the word of God that is believed, brings conviction, and brings transformation to the heart of the individual so that they are changed. And they are transformed. One of the great joys that... Uh, I see happening is that there is a new movement abreast in many of our seminaries today, and that is that our younger people are moving away from the modern contemporary approach to preaching and back to expository preaching. It's on the rise. It's on the benefit. Our own, our own conference, our own denomination is wrestling with this whole issue of expository preaching and how important is it in the life of the church. And I'm glad that we are coming out and declaring the significance and the importance of expository preaching for that is what the service is about. And we are seeing a transformation taking place. And if that happens, we're going to see revival. We're going to see changes in our community. We're going to see changes in our society. If people get serious about what the Word of God says and about honoring Him through obedience to that Word, that's going to affect marriages. That's going to affect the way we rear our children. That's going to affect the way we handle our finances. That's going to bring true and lasting significance that is when people will rejoice and give thanks to God for the deliverance, for the forgiveness of sins, for the peace that we enjoy, for the transformation that we experience. Gee, the people continued in the scriptures. And day by day, from the first day to the last day, he read from the book of the law of God. So this wasn't just a one-off. This was not just an emotional response. This was not just a... a hilltop experience of one moving message of which everybody is emotionally geared up and then it dies out. 
But this created a ongoing desire to hear and preach the word of God. I can't have time tonight to take you through the rest of the book of Nehemiah, but we see <clears throat> that this goes on for months, and we see the ongoing effects and changes that are taking place because the people are continuing in the word of God. And then lastly, H, the people were concerned that the word of God would spread. Verse 15, and that they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns and in Jerusalem. They were concerned that the word of God would spread. Um, expository preaching sees the centrality of the word of God and promotes within it a desire that other people would hear and know and understand the scriptures. All right? So that is huge in our philosophy of our preaching, of our worship service. Not just preaching, but expository preaching. Making the word of God central, helping people understand it, believing that when we understand it and moved by the spirit of God, it will bring transformation. That's discipleship. That's growth. That's people obeying the word of God. In the book of Matthew, chapter 28, Jesus said, go into all the world and uh, make disciples, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. That's what expository preaching is about, teaching the whole word of God so that people will obey it. That's what Jesus defined as discipleship. That's why we see expository preaching as being an important part of discipleship, and that's why we see as a missionary endeavor, planting churches that are going to preach and teach the word of God is the most effective way of transforming this world, of making Christ-honoring disciples that are going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm done. We praise and thank the Lord for his word and for the benefits thereof. Let's pray. Dear Lord, help us. Help us to be faithful to your word. Help us to love your word. Help us to delight in your word. Help us not to be hearers only, but also doers of your word. But Lord, we know that it's that word that you are going to use to bring conviction, even as they wept, as they heard what the word of God said, and as they heard that they had not obeyed it. But then, Lord, the, the wonderful rejoicing that they entered into as they repented and understood forgiveness, understood transformation, and then, Lord, they obeyed. They went beyond. They, they, they followed you in ways that you had not been followed for hundreds of years. Lord, uh, help us in the day and age that we live that there would be a renewal, uh, a working of your spirit that would transform the church so that Christianity can have a zeal and a holiness and a power and an effectiveness in our society that hasn't been seen since the days of the Great Awakening. The time in which your spirit moved so powerfully in New England that people jumped out of windows of churches to try to get away from the conviction of the word of God. Oh Lord, may your power be displayed through your word. We long for your spirit to work 
and move and grant repentance to our nation and to our world. So, Lord, we renew and rededicate ourselves to you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and we are dismissed.